Welcome to episode three of Librarians Allowed, an independent monthly podcast presented by the Academic and Special Libraries section of the Library Association of Ireland. I'm your host, Laura Rooney Ferris. If you're joining us for the first time, hello and welcome. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. My guests this month are Neve O'Donovan and Stephanie Ronan, two of the team behind Ruddy23. For anyone who hasn't heard of Ruddy23, it's really been the runaway success story of the Irish information profession this year. It's an adaptation of the 23 Things social media and online learning format for information professionals. Neve and Stephanie give me the lowdown on getting Ruddy23 up and running, how they put the team together and some of the challenges. Um, The recording was done over Skype this time, so there are a few echoes, but hopefully this won't interfere with your listening pleasure. So if you want to just introduce yourselves, first of all, um, and tell me where you where you work. Okay, uh, my name's Neve. Um, I'm a a public librarian. I work in Galway Public Libraries. Um, I've worked in Galway for about nine years now as a library assistant. Okay. (laughs) Stephanie, my name is Stephanie Ronan and I work in the Marine Institute, which is our national research facility for all things marine. I'm a solo librarian there, so I do everything and everything. And I... Uh, My heart goes out to all other solo librarians. It's a tough road. (laughs) Yeah. Um, On the upside, you get to do everything. Yeah, you do. and, and But it gets very hard to relinquish anything. Like if you ever do get you know, the opportunity to hand a task over, it can be quite difficult because you're so used to doing everything yourself that you almost don't know how to delegate or... Yeah, although I can imagine definitely I'd, I'd be able to give up some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of at that point too. I'm like, I'd be happy to hand, <laughs> hand over the entire job to someone now. Um, so if you want to go into a little bit, bit of detail, maybe each of you on what, what drew you into the library world, what, what was the hook that got you into being librarians? Um, well, I kind of got into the job sort of by accident. Um, well, not really by accident, I just kind of thought it was an interesting job, wasn't really sure how you would get a job in a library, but um, someone just told me that there was one going in Kildare and I was living in Kildare at the time, so I applied for it. Uh, My background is in art, I have a degree in art, so I spent quite a while after graduating from art college just flutering around doing arty stuff, trying to make a career of it and not really getting anywhere, so um, my uh, first library job was probably my first proper job, um, and uh, I kind of grew from there, really. That was back in 2002. Um, and I spent two really lovely years working in Selbridge Library in Kildare, and then someone said, oh, you know, you should just go and do the course in UCD. That was kind of the next logical step. So I went to UCD and did the HDIP there, and then moved to Galway after that. And I've been here ever since. What about you, Stephanie? Um, I think I went very purposefully into the role. Ah. <laughs> I had been, yeah, I'd been living away for a few years, and I had previously done an arts degree, and I did a master's in English term publishing. So I'd kind of been on the other side of it, and I'd never really thought or considered libraries or librarianship or information professional as a career. 
I just never thought of it. Um, when I was younger, I lived in England for a few years and we used to visit the library, you know, every week. And I loved the library and that was great. And then we came back to Ireland and the facility just wasn't quite the same. So we kind of forgot all about library. And then in 2009, I returned to Ireland after having been away for four years and it was recession and there was no jobs. And I had to apply for the dole, and that was just absolutely depressing and heart-rendering mm. wrenching. I hated that, and I just really purposely had to dig deep and look and see well, what was I interested in, what, you know, what type of jobs are there out there. And if I'm going to go back to college, I really wanted to do something that I could be passionate about. So I saw the course in UCD, the library course there, and I did a bit of research and... Yeah, I realized, yeah, this was the one for me. And it's great, you know. It's sort of one of those traditional professions, doctor, mm -hmm. teacher, librarian. So yeah. it, just, it just sounded like a real job. I'd been, like Neve, kind of flittering about and not, not ever having a proper role or a job. You know, people say, what did you do? Oh, you know, it's just didn't know really. Mm -hmm. But this is, I'm a librarian or an information professional. And yeah, that, that went in with my eyes open. And I never regretted it, delighted. So many librarians say that, that they had lots of kind of jobs before they became a librarian. And then suddenly it's like a shift in mentality of this isn't a job, it's a profession or it's a, a calling almost. You move mentality from just a thing that you do to this is your career. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be something that a lot of people sort of come across by accident or, you know, hadn't really planned it. but. As soon as they got there, then they realised this is just something that they want to do for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I guess there's a pride in the role as well, because it is a professional career. And once you know more about it, you realise how much is involved in being a librarian. And yeah, it's a, you know, you take pride in, yes, this is my career, I'm a librarian. Mm. Librarians certainly, I seem to be very, very proud of what they do. Um, how different do you think being a librarian was to what your perception of it was before you maybe even did the qualification to what the reality of the day-to-day -day job is? Um, quite different for me, I suppose. You know, the, uh, my only experience of libraries is public libraries. Um, so having only really used public libraries and now working in a public library as well. So uh, I wouldn't be too familiar with the academic side of it. Um, and I found the course in UCD at the time when I did it was leaning more towards the academic mm. side of things um, and didn't cover a huge amount with public libraries. But at the same time, it's probably not easy to teach public libraries. You nearly have to work in a public library to learn it because you can end up doing so many different things. You know, it's very hard to teach someone how to uh, sing nursery rhymes for half an hour to 30 toddlers and or you know how to um, so show somebody um, how to use a computer you know the basics of computers and stuff like that and it's mm. it's kind of learning as you go with public libraries yeah your user base is just so enormous as well you could be doing anything from one point in the day to the next in a public library really couldn't you Yes, you could, yeah. Um, a lot of it is, you, you know, you're going in in the morning, you're not really sure what the day is going to deliver for you or what you're going to end up doing. It could be anything. For me, I guess I just, I have never thought of libraries or librarians. Not, they just never entered my head. What was wrong with me? <laughs> 
Probably, well, shouldn't everyone know what a librarian does? Um, I think everyone thinks they know what we do. Yeah, that's I get that. Yeah. How many times have you heard that, Neve? Yeah. Laura, you know, I get that all the time still. Really? I still you must love books, or it's a great job yeah. to read books all day. I know, it's a lovely job. That's great. I'd love that to be able to read all day. <laughs> but um, so when I finally did, you know, start looking and researching into librarianship or information professional, that's what I expected it to be. And because I came to it as a mature student and later in life, I think I came to it with my eyes open. So I, I did have an idea what more or less you'd kind of be doing. Mm. So wasn't that different. When I when I finished my uh, master's, I did a job bridge in Lockray Public Library for nine months, which I absolutely love. But as Neve said, the course does not um, equip you, I think, to teach, or to, not to teach, to work in a public library. It's just so different. Perhaps um, if, you, if I went in as a manager, or the actual librarian rather than a library assistant, you'd be able to apply some of your skills more but as on the floor as a library assistant I coming straight out of college I you know was completely different yeah story time teaching users how to how to turn on and off the computer and use the mouse and you Sometimes know it's you have to do that in an academic library too yeah <laughs> but I I guess in the Marine Institute I definitely don't have to do that yeah. there's just such a high skill level there that I really have to I have to constantly upskill myself to keep up with the with the staff and the workforce there. They're just super intelligent, and mm. I have to on my game. Yeah. So, how did you get into the the role you're in now in the Marine Institute? Um, I started. I uh, I after I finished the job bridge in Lockray Library, a stagiaire came up, which is um, it's an internship. And the Marine Institute run these internships, these stagiaries in various roles. But at the time, they had one, and they had been doing it for a couple of years for a librarian. So it's open to, or was open to, new graduates. You had to be within two years of graduating, and it was a 50-week stagiaire contract, um, basic pay, and uh, I got that job, and I absolutely loved it. It was absolutely, it was brilliant. Uh, but <laughs> three weeks after I started, the library manager that was there retired. So it was just me, and which uh, worked out really well in the end because what they did is they asked the librarian, Margaret Waldron from GMIT, to become my mentor in sort of lieu of the librarian that worked in the Marine Institute. So I actually got to go to GMIT and work there and learn from the librarians there and then come back to the Marine Institute and apply what I was learning. So it was an absolutely fantastic job, um, learning experience doing that stagiaire. You, they, they run courses all the time for their stagiaires in the Marine Institute. Um, courses from anything from Excel, Microsoft, uh, interview skills, time management, all of these courses, they really help and look after their staff. So I absolutely loved it. It was, you know, I wanted to work there. But when the job ended, um, like so many other positions in Ireland, they couldn't hire because the moratorium on hiring. Yeah. So I then luckily got a maternity cover in UL. So I went to the University of Limerick and did a six-month maternity contract there as their digital librarian, digital systems librarian. And again, absolutely loved that role. <laughs> it was it wasn't completely different in the Marine Institute. There is an open access repository, and obviously as part of the solar librarian's job, you do absolutely everything. So I was manager of that, and in the Marine or in UL, 
that was part of my role. I managed the repository and also the digital lab there. But um, at the end of the six months, I then had a baby. I went into it pregnant and actually she came two days after I finished job. She came nice and early. Good, good <laughs> timing. She no time off, none at all. And then um, while I was on maternity leave, the con a contract came up for the Marine Institute to provide library services. So as they couldn't hire a librarian, what the way around it is that they put the position out to tender and I tendered for the contract and was successful, so I was absolutely delighted. So now I've gotten a four-year contract to provide the library services to the Marine Institute on a 25-hour basis, and I love it. Yeah, that's a great experience to have had to tender for a role as well. There's not a lot of librarians have to go through something like that unless you become, you, know, you set yourself up in an independent consultancy or do something like that. It's not something yeah. that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's a great experience. Absolutely, I had to become a sole, a sole trader to do it, or set up a limited company, but the sole trading route um, was a lot easier. Um, we, the Western Regional Section of the Library Association of Ireland, I'm the secretary and Neve is the treasurer, and we run an annual seminar every year, and mm -hmm. last year's seminar I actually gave a talk on how, how I did that tendering process, and I, my slides are up on our blog, if anyone wants to check out um, the Western Regional blog, you can read more about it if you're interested enough. <laughs> Great, yeah, we must have a look at those because I think that's something that more and more librarians are moving into that area now, having to you know, do um, proposals and not necessarily tendering, but things like funding applications um, and having that kind of experience. And it's, it's not something that we would have been taught necessarily um, in our training in library school. Absolutely, and even um, for big research grants now, um, Horizon 2020 is where all the European funding is coming from, and there's a section in Horizon 2020 for any researchers who are looking for um, funding application that they have to make the output of their research, any publications, open access, mm -hmm. and there's a section on how they're going to do this and how, how you know, for, if awarded the funding, they must fulfill this. So they actually have to consult with the librarian on how this is possible in the Institute. So both UL and in the Marine Institute, we have open access repositories, so that's how we can do that. So there is involvement, you know, even at a European funding, millions of euros level, that the librarian does have to be, have to be in there helping. Yeah, it's actually done a lot to kind of empower librarians, I think, having, um, having to have that relationship with researchers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what about you, Neve? How did you end up kind of where you are now? How, how long have you been in your, your current role? Um, I've been in my current role since 2006. So um, that's, what, nine years? Um, so when I graduated from UCD, it was um, just before the recruitment embargoes and all of the the all the the bad stuff with jobs started to come and come into so i i just i got the job as library assistant in galway just straight after graduating from UCD, and i was very lucky to get it um uh, the recruitment embargo came in very soon after i was employed in galway um and i suppose at that stage you know you got the job and you, it was a permanent position and i you know i stuck with it and kind of got distracted then by uh, getting married and having a few babies and you know was, um, happy life enough. intervened <laughs> yes yes so um, not too worried about um, kind of searching for anything else work-wise or looking for other jobs or now um, there was nothing to look for I think mm. today now with, with people when they graduate you're looking at maybe 
volunteering and then getting some short contracts and then hopefully maybe getting a few longer contracts. Um, it, it, the, the situation is different. There aren't as many permanent positions, which isn't necessarily a bad thing either because you get a lot of experience when you move around from contract to contract as yeah. opposed to being in the same job for a very long time, which I've been. So I think in, it's only in the last couple of years that I've started looking beyond my job to find other ways to gain experience and, and to, to learn outside of my job as well. Yeah, and so I suppose Ruddy, Ruddy 23 to move on to that, that's obviously given you quite a big learning experience, has it? Or How did you both get into it or what, what was kind of, who, who threw the idea out first? <laughs> Neve O'Donovan is the driving force behind Ruddy 23. Well, I'm, I'm blaming Stephanie for throwing the idea out there initially. Uh. Um, it, it came about as a result of a, a presentation that I gave for the Western Regional Sections um, annual seminar in 2014. Um, I had done a 23 Things course in 2010 that was run by the uh, University of Cambridge Library Department called CPD23, um, which you probably know about. Um, and that was a really good course, and I found that hugely beneficial for me. Um, back in 2010, I was kind of just starting to get interested in social media and um, how it could be useful to libraries, but didn't really know where to look or how to get into it. And this course was just amazing. Like it completely opened up the whole world of internet and, and introduced me to so many amazing librarians on, and blogging and Twitter and all these networks online. So I had been telling Stephanie about this and she suggested that I do a presentation for the Western Regional section about it. So um, I gave the presentation just, you know, and with the intention of maybe just suggesting to people that they might try out this internet, you know, for themselves. <laughs> but Stephanie made a an, an very interesting comment about, oh, maybe we'll do our own 23 Things course sometime. And there was a really good response to that. A lot of people actually came back to us afterwards and said that they would like to do the course if we ever did run one. So it kind of grew from there. Um, uh, that was back in 2014 and then um, after a year of thinking and planning and um, discussing and, and um, working things out, we eventually were ready to, to launch it at the seminar for 2015, which was earlier this year. Mm -hmm. I'd like to point out that that thinking and planning and working it all out went on within Neve's brain because she did all the work <laughs> behind the scenes. She, she set it up. It was. Neve had it ready to go before the rest of us got involved. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I did, I did do a lot of thinking, and I suppose the advantage was that I had done the course already, so I had a fairly good knowledge of how it worked and mm. what was needed. And I also knew what it felt like to be on the course, so I kind of knew what would, what would, good, would, would make a good course. Um, and I also got really good advice from Neve Page, who was involved in the CPD 23 course yeah. at the University of Cambridge. So she was really helpful and was able to tell us what worked for them and what didn't work for them and what they might have done differently as well. Um, and also the, the level of work that would be involved in doing it. So um, I suppose by the time I was ready to kind of get the rest of the team involved, I had a fairly good idea of the direction that we wanted to take the course and 
um, and I knew that I had a really good team at the ready to get started then with the Western Regional Committee. So it was a good starting point for us to be able to, to use the committee there. They were ready to go as well. Yeah. And what? how much did you want it to be distinctive or in, in what way did you think you wanted to change it to make it um, sort of to Irishize it, I suppose? Or, um, well, or I suppose... The, yeah, were there elements that you thought would work for Irish librarians or would work, wouldn't work for Irish librarians? Um, not really. I mean, that's the beauty of social media is that, it, you know, it's, it's applicable to, um, to all nationalities or to, you know, worldwide. So um, even when you look at the tools that people are using in the US and in the UK, and there's a real crossover there and everybody is kind of using the same stuff when you're reading about activities that librarians are doing in the US and the UK. It's all very similar to what we're doing here in Ireland as well. Mm. Um, so I suppose we, we gave the Irishness uh, in the name of the course by calling it Ruddy 23, but apart from that, um, a lot of it was very closely based on the course that I did. Um, we probably simplified it a bit. Um, we wanted to keep it at introductory level, so the tools were probably a bit simpler, maybe a bit more um, general that would be applicable to librarians of different disciplines rather than having it specifically for one type of librarian. Um, I think that was the idea to bring, not to change the course, but just to bring the platform to an Irish audience. Because the courses may be on in England or Australia or America, but it's harder to be involved in that community. Whereas if it's presented by you know, an Irish professionals through the Library Association of Ireland and you get your Library Association of Ireland certificate, continued professional development certificate at the end, you probably are more willing to yeah. do the course. You know, it's, yeah. it's more of a, it's an Irish community, but it was it was international as well, didn't you? It was, yeah. We did have quite a few people from the UK um, doing it, or they are still doing it. Um, the majority were Irish, but I, I would say the UK were second um, in terms of the, the numbers. And then we had um, quite a few from other countries as well, like Australia and Denmark and further afield, Malaysia and Ecuador even, and one person from the States. So it did spread further afield as well. It's great you got such a good geographic representation. Yeah, yeah, it made it interesting, you know, just to kind of hear what other librarians were doing um, in their own jobs as well in other countries. And as you said, having the um, the LAI behind it is probably something that encouraged a lot of people to do it. Because I know a lot of Irish librarians had done various uh, 23 things before. Um, but I'd say you probably got a lot of people on board who maybe might have been a little bit more reluctant or had, had looked at 23 things before, but jumped on board with this one because it was backed by the LAI and they would go were going to get their um, professional certification out of the end of it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, anything with the LAI associated, you know, is the quality mark. So it's not just a group of sort of randomers running a course on the internet. You know, it is accredited and or certified anyway. And, you know, it, it lends an air of authority to it. I think it does have that quality Irish standard when you have LAI on it. Yeah. Or at least people recognise anyway what they're what they're getting into. So how did you put the the team together, or who did you approach? Did you all know each other, or did you kind of get get people as you went along, or did you assemble everyone? 
before planning all the modules? Um, well, we started with the committee for the Western Regional Section of the LAI, who are very small. Yeah. We, had, we only have members. There's about four, five or six of us at the moment. So, um, and then a couple of people who would be associated with the committee, but not necessarily on the committee. So uh, we have um, a health librarian, Caroline Rowan, Mm. Uh, Michelle Green, who would be very much willing to they get involved in our seminars and activities as well. So they were on board as well. And then um, we kind of, once we uh, knew what was in hand and how many people we would need, we put a call out on Twitter as well to see if anyone would be interested in getting involved. So a few people came back to us then via Twitter, which was great because we kind of, Twitter was a good way to, to, to go because we knew that we'd get a good response from people that had a genuine interest in it and, and also understood how effective social media is for professional development and would, they would get the course and get what we were trying to achieve with the course as well. So how big was the, the team overall then? How many people were involved Le in the end? Um, Eleven in total. Eleven of you, okay. Yeah. But like a core act of not not everyone you know as in one or two people were just contributing content mm. to the blog post which was amazing exactly what we needed you know everyone is professional and any of those blog posts that were any of the 23 things were all researched and really well written and really you know well thought out and presented so some people just did that which is not just, I don't mean mm. to make it sound like that. It was fantastic and brilliant to get that. But actually doing the moderating was and involved in the administration was kind of a smaller team. And then the main bulk was me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so again, you were carrying the lion's share, Neve. Not really, no. But, I mean, at the start, maybe, but I'd, after um, a few uh, discussions with Stephanie, I learned how to delegate a bit better. Neve mm. <laughs> is the project manager. You know, Neve came up with the, the idea and set it all up. To begin with, Neve established the blog and the, the Twitter and the, what else? The blog, the Twitter, the delicious... Uh, we had the yeah the Pinterest page and the LinkedIn group and the Facebook group. We tried to incorporate as many of the tools that were that we were teaching on the course as part of you know managing the course and actually administrating it so that we could kind of demonstrate how the tools could be used as well mm -hmm. to the participants. So we for example we had the Pinterest account which. Um, you know, we would have Pinterest boards for each of the modules and with lots of links for further reading for anyone that was interested. So they could see then how Pinterest was able to, was useful for that kind of work as well as actually being able to use it themselves to read more on the course content. Mm. And um, did you, and same, sorry, did you gather additional help as you went along? And were there people who, who as they started doing the modules, volunteered to, to pitch in and help or? Not so much in helping run the course, but certainly a community established, which was amazing. Um, people on Twitter, just say a Twitter community for mm. hashtag 
23 and they would tweet their their um, blog reflections and retweet other people's and comment and that's a community established and that helped drive and motivate the course the same with facebook and linkedin and google groups and or google circles and so yeah pinterest that way but not not sort of from the the background the administration side of it we had a few people, all right, that kind of um, supported us, you know, um, without being directly involved. For like um, Maria O'Sullivan, who's a librarian in Dublin, mm. and it's very active on Twitter. Took it upon herself to start a list of any of the Ruddy Twenty Three participants, which was great um, and really helpful. Um, and even people like um, Michael Stevens, who writes for the Library Journal. Um, oh, yeah really interested in the course as well and would every, every so often would tweet us a few articles or retweet some of our tweets and provide kind of support in that respect which was really great as well. And Jane Burns put it on the UCD um, student library course pages as well for her module to make mm. the students aware and she's kind of recommending that they look and do the course so she was promoting and as it. We know, as no it one can say no to Jane Burns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully. <laughs> A wonderful advocate so yeah. it's great to have her on our side as well so I think as yeah it built momentum and people did take on or you know kind of what am I trying to say people <laughs> built momentum basically yeah more the more people heard about it the more it was talked about and used more and promoted more yeah I, it really did seem to snowball just watching it develop online you sort of seemed to see the momentum gathering over the weeks as, as people were yeah. discussing at what stage they were at and then more people were kind of coming in at different levels and at different points. For us as well, you know, I mean, it was the first time we had done something at this um, scale as well. So it was definitely, it evolved as the weeks went on and, and we suddenly realized what a huge task we had taken on and also mm -hmm. what a massive learning experience it was going to be for us as well which we really hadn't anticipated yeah the yeah. start i think the start and the end the start was crazy mm. Neve, like because Neve set it all up and set up you know the the email account everything and the next thing the emails just flooded in you know people wondering about the course people having problems maybe it support it was just like it just was so much work at the start and then I think Neve then learned how to delegate and maybe ask for help because she was doing everything herself. It's like, come on Neve, we're here to help, let's, let's help. So I think maybe I took it upon myself to try to be her number two to, you know, give support that way and to, I, maybe I can be bossier so maybe I sent out a few emails to the committee saying, we have to help more. But I think that, I think once we realised how successful it was going to be and the interest and the uptake that everyone then was really on board and really, you know, gave it everything. This is voluntary. This, you know, it's taken hours and hours of our time yeah. and it's completely voluntary and people, like all the moderators involved have been amazing. I think we should name check absolutely everybody. Mm. So there's the two of us obviously, there's Caroline Rowan who works in St. Michael's and Michelle Breen in University of Limerick. We have um, Christine Jordan in St. Pat's. We have Mary Murray in GMIT. Um, Christopher Meany who is actually a librarian who moved here from the States and he's been looking after his children and he came to the, the annual seminar at the Western Regional and just mm. decided to help pitch in and so he's been a moderator as well. Um, Liz 
Ms. Kane, who's also a public librarian in Galway Libraries. Uh, Emmett Keown, who's a, a librarian based in the Midlands. And we're probably going to forget somebody now. We should. I know. I <laughs> we can edit them in at the end. Of course, I can't forget him. Yes. Wayne Gibbons, who's an educator and in GMIT, and he's really interested in social media and its use for education. So he was Siobhan. very useful. And Siobhan, um, who's an intern with the Heritage Council at the moment in Kilkenny, Siobhan McGuinness. So um, lots of help and lots of interest from everyone, and. Um, Lots of unofficial help as well via Twitter and that just people giving us words of encouragement um, along the way and telling us how great it was going and so it was great to get that kind of positive feedback as well. It's great that it's um, such a diverse representation of different librarians and people with different skill sets and backgrounds as well. Yes, yeah, we had a real mixture as well and not all librarians as well like as we said someone from mm. in education as well. Yeah, but I think the common ground was that everyone was really passionate about the course and about Web 2.0 technologies and tools and wanted to, to help and to help educate and upskill those that don't. But we learned, I learned, you know, we're all actually doing the 23 Things course ourselves, you know, because we may yeah. be say with Twitter, but, you know, doing a screencast or Pinterest or, you know, getting your LinkedIn account up to speed or, you know, there's so many, so many of the 23 things that I've learned. I've learned loads mm. on the course, doing the course. What do yeah, you think? that's what I was wondering about. You know, how much did you know beforehand, and how much, how many of the 23 things were you, were you yourselves starting from scratch and and learning as you went into it? And yeah, you've put up this Excel sheet at the start of the proposed 23 things, and told us all to pick which ones we wanted to write and research and learn about, and it was daunting. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely ones there, you know, everyone had something to bring to the course, but there was also plenty there for us to learn as well. It, the, in that respect, it was really a collaborative um, project because we were all contributing bits and going, oh, actually, have you read this article? Or, oh, I know about this tool that we could use for this part. So there was lots of people showing stuff in there and then everyone was learning from it as well at the same time. Yeah, it's a great team, a great group of people. And actually, we still have not all met up face to face. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to manage to actually find time to all meet in person and haven't actually managed to do that yet. No. I think that's but the, the course is still That's your point. 24th thing that you need to yeah. have the list now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as in the deadline is still only the 30th of November to complete your 23 things. And if you can't, if you feel you can't complete them by the 30th of November, you can apply for an extension until February 1st. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there is still time to complete it, so not to panic. I'm talking to myself, I still haven't finished all my things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to admit, I started several 23 things courses years ago and never finished any one of them because I'd skip over bits that I'd done before. Like there'd be large chunks of it that would be things that I would had would have tried before and I would skip over them and then I'd get too busy and not you know when it got to the thing that I hadn't tried it would take too much time so I am a failure on this the 23 things front I really need to actually go back and maybe I'll try Ruddy 23 and it'll be the one I'll actually finish 
But you know, that's also part of it. Even if you don't finish it, it doesn't matter because you'll have still learned something within the course. It's good. Mm. Yeah, you're not a failure, you know. <laughs> Anyone that's done any of our modules on Ruddy 23 has learned something. And in that, even if you do one module and you learn one thing, it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't finish the 23 Things course that I did in 2010. So, um, but I still learned a huge amount from it. And mm -hmm. developed your own course, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something out of it. Yeah, so, you know, while if everyone can't finish Ruddy 23, it's not the end of the world as long as they got, they got what they needed from it. But from a continued professional development point of view, it would be great, you know, for everyone to get their certificates and then, you know, you can put it towards, um, if you're looking to go for the associateship of the Library Association of Ireland, your ALAI, it's mm. probably a good um, course to substantiate, you know, your, your claim to get that ALAI. And a lot of people also in the UK are using their Ruddy 23 coursework for their SILIP um, chartership or their certificates. So that's, that's fantastic, you know. That's, the course is that is good enough, you know, the content is good enough. So we're delighted with that. Yeah, and it's increasingly being something that librarians are expected to include as part of their jobs now. Like so many of us are, are using social media tools and are the people responsible for creating and administering social profiles in our workplaces now that it's become something that we're, it's, it's kind of an, an area that we've stepped into and become kind of experts on and we've taken control in that area. Absolutely. Reading, um, because uh, we all moderate roughly 20 to 25 blogs each, each um, one of the team. So we, we achieve every single blog post that's written, every person, every person participating in Ruddy23 who writes a reflective blog post, we read every one of those and yeah. we comment, we help them. Yeah, so we've divided that. And, uh, Was there a particular thing that was really difficult? Is there one that sticks out in your mind that you just hated doing or was really tough, really tough learning curve? Um, as in one of the modules that we covered? Yeah. Um, I think I think everyone had a different thing that they found tough or difficult. Um, I think I found, for myself, I found the, the podcasting one hard purely because I hate the sound of my own voice, yeah. ironically enough. <laughs> I'm never going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'll put a filter on it or something. I'll put auto-tune <laughs> over your voice. Um, but at the same time, you know, I suppose it was, it was good to, I think all of them, all of the tools, I suppose, were ones that I had either become familiar with already um, or I wanted to learn. So um, I suppose none of them were particularly difficult. Though we did want to cover some areas, not just on tools, but also just on um, developing your own profession or kind of knowing where you fit in the library profession as well, or even just to think about why you became a librarian. So there was a lot of um, reflection in the course as well. And just, you know, we asked participants to just kind of look at themselves and why they are in that chosen career. Um, which we thought would be really useful and the, the feedback that Niamh Page got from the CPD 23 course that I did, she said that that reflection was really significant for a lot of people who did that course. Mm -hmm. So we really wanted that to be part of it and also we wanted to look a bit about on advocacy as well and just to be, you know, for people to maybe just take a look at what advocacy campaigns are out there or maybe to consider um, where 
they fit in terms of ad advocacy for libraries. So I suppose for that, that was kind of hard as well, you know, just to kind of take a moment to think about where you fit in the library profession today and, and how much do you want to contribute towards library advocacy um, and to kind of uh, put your neck out as well because you're kind of, you know, you're blogging on a public forum and saying what you really think about libraries and, and where they, the position of libraries and the library profession is in, in today's society. So um, I suppose that might have been kind of difficult too. Yeah. I think people are becoming more and more aware of the fact that um, as a librarian now or as, a, as an information professional, you sort of are individually by virtue of just being in the profession, you're an advocate for it, or, or at least you should be. And if you're, you know, if you haven't started advocating for it yet, you should, because, mm -hmm. you know, we are responsible for what, what you know, the outside world thinks of us and knows about us. And we kind of have to up our game because there is a misconception about who we are and what we do. And if we don't change that, no one else is going to. Absolutely, yeah, especially since, um, you know, a lot of professions now are based on um, performance indicators and you have to kind of be able to produce statistics and numbers about your, what you've achieved in your profession or in, with your library and how well you're doing. So it's very hard to quantify a lot of the work that librarians do um, and you need to be able to, to show off what you're doing and, and be able to demonstrate that you're doing it really well and that takes skill as well. And, something that you need to you need to be kind of um, I suppose a bit cocky and be able to kind of show off and talk about yourself and talk talk up yeah. your life not something bit. that we're always very good at in the profession no 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 it's a bit ironic because we're yeah. kind of the shy and retiring type a lot of the time so. well because we're in a, almost a you know a supportive role and so much of what we do involves you know supporting other people to do their jobs mm we don't always see ourselves as people who should be stepping out front and you know, advertising what is unique to our profession because what we do is you know, operate almost on, on in the background in an organization in, but it, we're operating right across the board you know involved in everything yeah. that's going on but we're not always getting credit for it yeah we're kind of like the backroom people that keep the the wheels turning and, yeah. and make we, we facilitate other people and helping them achieve what they need as opposed to um achieving things ourselves or that could be kind of perceived that way sorry i'm just fiddling with cables here yeah but we're not yeah we're, we're getting much better i think at you know, teasing out exactly what it is that uh, we provide in an organisation and being able to demonstrate it um, and, and being able to kind of go out there and advocate for our services. Yeah, I think we're learning. We're learning as we go and maybe looking at um, how other people do it and, and trying to emulate that as well. Yeah, but, and even the... The very fact that something like Ready 23 is demonstrating that librarians are becoming experts in use and manipulation of social media and integration of social media into um, their delivery of services. It's not something that would be known about the profession, um, but it's very much become a big part of the job. 
Yeah, I mean, we've already had um, some of our course participants have um, started blogging about how they're now using the tools in their everyday job that they learned about on the course. And, you know, um, we're getting anecdotal evidence of them saying, oh, I spoke to my IT manager today and I told him about this new app that I heard about and I thought we could do this or that. Or I was thinking of doing an augmented reality project and they were really impressed by that. And, so, you know, it's, you're changing people's perceptions as well by yeah. using the tools um, and incorporating them into the library. Mm -hmm. So where do you think uh, Ready23 or what, what's the plan with it now? What do you think you're going to do with it? Now? I know you have until, what, the end of November for current participants to finish? Yeah, the, the end of November is the deadline for finishing um, for the current participants. So uh, we've had a, quite a few queries from people who want to know when are we going to do it again. Mm. <laughs> um, and we're, we're, we're still recovering from the mammoth task that was this one. Yeah. So um, for now, I think the, the course will remain available on the blog for anyone that wants to do it at their own pace. Um, and we may look at, in a couple of years' time, uh, maybe doing another one you know, when the technology has changed, there might be some new apps or tools out there that you might, you might want to cover um, and do a new course. Um, but for now, I think we'll just leave the current one on the blog for people to do um, and try and relax for a little bit and breathe. Yeah, give a bit of breathing space. <laughs> and yeah. What do you think would you do differently if you were doing it again? What, what was the, the biggest learning in terms of putting together the course? Um, I suppose the biggest learning was just the, the, um, the amount of work involved, mm. um, possibly just having a better, pro a better timeline maybe or a better plan at the start of tasks for everyone to take on. Um, just, you know, I suppose that we didn't really know until we started getting into it what was involved or what, what we'd need to do and even the, the moderation element of it was something that we kind of only thought about afterwards. After it started, we suddenly realized, oh, actually, we really need to, to keep these people involved. We really need to start commenting on their blogs. Otherwise, they're just going to all drop off. Mm. So um, now that we have a better knowledge of what's involved, we can kind of plan. If we were to do it again, we could plan it better, just in terms of who's doing what and the delegation of it and um, scheduling the, the different tasks as well. Yeah, that's a great learning experience for all of you who were involved in terms of just collaborative working. Even the fact that you said you, you all 11 of you, was it, who've been involved in putting the modules together have yet to, to meet face to face. You know, that that's such a great skill to be able to bring into a workplace to, to say that you managed um, a project this big without ever meeting face to face. Yeah, it's certainly different, you know, managing something like that online. You, there's other things you have to think about, even just being able to develop a, a sort of a, a team um, feeling between everyone that was involved, even though they had never met. So mm. we had to, we were, we all uh, communicated using Google Groups, uh, which was really great and really useful. But even through that, I kind of had to, you know, prompt people to introduce themselves and get a bit of conversation mm. with that, just to develop that team feeling for everyone so at least that existed even though we didn't meet in person 
So I suppose if I were to, to do it again, I would try and make sure that everyone had met together at least once beforehand so that we could talk face to face because really, and like there's nothing really that would, that can replace that. I mean, it's important that you have that face to face meeting as well. Yeah. And were there any hiccups or along the way, any major hiccups in terms of pe keeping people engaged, even, even the, uh, the team behind the administration? Not really. No, I mean, everything like that went fine. We didn't really have any hiccups or disasters, you know. Um, we, we probably, um, there was technical stuff like the, I suppose the most technically difficult thing was doing the hangout, mm. um, where we had a, a hangout on air with some of the participants, um, just to try and demonstrate how it worked and for people to be able to see how a hangout on air could um, be used for collaboration or for any kind of, for library, library programming even, or for a kind of an online conference or something like that. Mm. So for, there was a few technical um, hiccups with that, just coordinating it and making sure that we had people ready and they had the right equipment. And Stephanie will be able to tell you more about that. She was um, the, the lead on that one. Yeah, yeah, I did watch the, the recording of that. It looked really good actually. You'd quite, yeah, the fact that you had participants from across the UK and someone from India involved in the, the live hangout was great. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, there was, there was technical stuff with the sound quality and things like that, you know, but something like that, uh, you know, it just takes practice, really. Yeah. We've had a few team hangouts since then, and it, the more you do those kind of things, the better you become at them, and you kind of get used to not speaking over each other and giving each other time to, to, to respond to questions and things. So it's a learning experience as well, the same as anything else. Yeah, I think librarians have a little bit of a tendency as well to be quite perfectionist about things. And if there's any level of imperfection, we notice it. Whereas, you know, people who are used to using these tools might not might not be that bothered or, you know, we, we tend to have a really, really high expectation of everything. And sometimes when you're using uh, particularly Web2 tools, you just have to dive in and, and try it and you work out the, the problems as you go along. And yeah, it's not always going to be brilliant the first time, but it's sometimes just about the trying. Yeah, like we did an, a really impromptu hangout initially where I just sent out a tweet and said, anyone free in the next 15 minutes? And so that, that was really, um, that was very sketchy and you know people were kind of talking over each other and then you know there was silence and we didn't know what to say to each other and so that was sort of it was good to kind of break the ice on it um and to do that and then we were a bit more ready then for the the real one mm. um that was a good but idea. yeah it was good yeah just to kind of to try it anyway and it was out of curiosity as well more than anything that we wanted yeah. to try it out. And you always need to get a, a kind of a core group of people who you know will, will jump in uh, when you put the call out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was definitely a core group throughout the course that were ready for anything and were willing to get involved in, in anything that we did, like the Twitter chat or the Hangout or just, you know, general responding to posts and stuff yeah. on Facebook and Twitter as well. Yeah, there's always a natural kind of... Um, group of people who will come to the fore and, and be actively involved and you know, participate more. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, everyone had their own kind of commitments as well outside of the course, oh, okay. so we had yeah. to bear that in mind too. Yeah, I think that's what probably the beauty of something like um, Ready 23 is that it works really well around whatever other chaos you have going on in your life and, you know, however, whatever your level of commitment is with work or with home, you can kind of slot it in. So it's a really good um, method cpd that, that works around whatever your other commitments are yeah i mean we had we were conscious of that and we which is why we we try to um space out the modules and we put in plenty of reflective practice posts and we had um a couple of weeks with nothing at all so people could catch up and we've had the we have the extension now so that people can apply for an extension to the completion date if they find that it was just getting on top of them because really we want as many people to finish it as, as possible um, and get as much out of it as they can. So we're trying to be as accommodating as possible so that they can fit it in around their own personal lives as well. Yeah. And do you know how many people have finished it now? Because it looks like quite a lot of people seem to finish it around the October. Yeah, we had, um, we've had about um, 30 applications for the completion certificate so far. Mm. Uh, so and I'm hoping, hopefully we'll get a few more between now and the end of the month. Um, initially we had about 185 people registered um, and then, you know, people just couldn't, you know, life got in the way for a lot of people or they couldn't yeah. pursue it or they just decided that it wasn't for them. So I think out of that, maybe we had about 50 or 60 that kind of kept going for a lot of it. That's quite lovely. a good core group. Yeah. yeah, it's lovely to do it at the same time as when the modules come out, then everyone's talking about it together and you're on Twitter yeah. chatting, doing, you know, as a community. But then at the end of the day, the main thing is to, you know, do learn yourself. So if, if you can do it in your own time and get it done, you know, by the 1st of February, that's, that's fine too. Yeah, I'd say there'll be now kind of a... a slower kind of pace of people gradually getting the modules finished over their own pace, over their own time yeah um, and so i'm going to kind of wrap things up now as it's it's getting late and um let you get back to your your evening uh but you guys are going to be joining us at asl 2016 to talk more about ruddy 23 and your experiences so there'll probably be an update by then of how many more people have finished or yeah. Yeah, yeah. We should have um, um, definite figures then of how many people have finished and lots of um, useful feedback as well from the people that have done the course. So, um, yeah, hopefully it should be interesting um, presentation. Yeah, we'll kind of be almost out the other side of it. <laughs> you might have had a chance to recover by then. Exactly. Yeah. We've had actually a lot of um, emails and people requesting or asking when when are we starting the course again? Oh, <laughs> it's like, whew, we're still in the middle. But um, yeah. I think that the type of course that it is, um, the skills that you're learning for us anyway, we didn't see that it would benefit anyone running it again next year. You know, the the course skills, or the the modules, the twenty three things aren't going to change that much. So we we're kind of having a chat amongst ourselves, and we thought maybe in what do we say in around four years? Yeah, well, we'll. Things might have well. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> let's see when you know technology changes enough to warrant kind yeah. of doing it again. Just yeah. you know, it takes it's taken so much, so much time and so much, so much out of us to do it. Which it's been so fulfilling and so worthwhile. But it's still has you know been a great chunk of our lives. Yeah, it's <laughs> a big six. commitment. These things are always yeah. much more work than you can ever anticipate. Yeah. 
and more so when they're successful. Yeah, but I mean, we're delighted. Oh yeah, I mean, we don't regret doing it. We think it was a fantastic experience. Gosh, Definitely. Yeah. We learned so much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge, for Neo's side anyway, a huge project management task to undertake. Yeah, it's been a great success, and thanks so much from the from the Irish li library community. Thanks for being the ones to do it, because I oh, think there was a there was a big space there, you know, with everyone waiting for when will someone do the twenty three things in, in the Irish <laughs> library community. So it was great that someone took up the challenge finally. <laughs> and the same for yourselves taking up the challenge for the Irish podcast. There was. Definitely a lot of talk after we did the podcast module on why is there no Irish librarian yeah. podcast because we had plenty of examples of um, ones from the US and from Australia and, and the UK but nothing from Ireland so mm. it was great. And when, maybe, um, some, maybe someone will get around to doing a good one at some point now too. Oh not at all, no, I listened to the Jane Burns one today and that was excellent. Uh, it's, a, it's all the quality of the guests really though. <laughs> Poor Jane set the bar very high for us. I know it. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for, for joining me. Um, and I'm really looking forward to having you on the, the program for ASL 2016 and getting an update on all things Ruddy 23. Um, so I'll let you get back to your evening. Um, and thanks so much for, for being on Librarians Allowed and thanks. for um, for giving us Ruddy 23. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. All right. Nice talking to you. Yeah, lovely talking to you. Okay. See you. Bye. Good night. Thanks again to Neve and Stephanie. Um, for anyone who wants to find out more about Ruddy23 or to sign up for the course, the link uh, to the Ruddy23 site is available on the ASL website, which is www.aslibraries.com. As you heard, Neve and Stephanie will present on the Ruddy 23 story at ASL 2016, which is now open for booking. Uh, booking details are on the ASL website or you can follow us on Twitter at AS Libraries for spotlights on our ASL programme and speakers. So do get booking now and we'll see you there on the 11th and 12th of February next year. Librarians Allowed is produced by Laura Rooney-Ferris. Music and additional editing are by Michael Ferris.